What's going on, Trail and Ultra Runners? Welcome to another episode of the Coopcast. As always, I'm your host, Jason Coop. Appreciate everybody tuning in to the podcast today. And hey, let's face it, the trail and ultra marathon race scene has changed tremendously over the course of the last several months. And I am not just talking about the COVID-19 pandemic, I'm talking about some of the larger race organizers out there that are starting to wade into the waters of trail and ultramarathon running. We saw this with Lifetime Fitness as they acquired the Leadville Trail 100 series. We saw this with Ironman as they start to get into trail and ultramarathoning as well. And relevant to this podcast that you're about to listen to, Spartan Obstacle Course Racing. They have started trail and ultramarathon races that are a part of their OCR race network. And in addition to that, they have partnered with some of the most iconic races around the world to create the Spartan Trail World Championships. And I know a lot of the trail runners out there today are thinking, what is this all about? If I go to a race like Trans Grand Canaria, which is a race that they partnered with that I was at earlier this year, Is the race going to feel different? Am I going to have to pay a different amount? Is there going to be a festival-like atmosphere associated with the race? And in addition to that, if you go to a Spartan trail race that's associated with their existing OCR races, what is that all about? Do I have to pay a parking fee? What's this festival atmosphere? Is there a band there? Will I be racing along all, alongside all of these OCR races? It is a little bit of a mystery to the average trail and ultra runner because it's not something that quite frankly, we're very used to. And so on the podcast today, I brought, I brought on Josue Stevens, who's the director of project management, at, or sorry, product management at Spartan. And more importantly, he is responsible for the trail running branch of Spartan's business. He is a trail and ultra runner himself, and he's also a former race director. He actually uh, race directed the infamous Copper Canyon Ultra Marathon, and I'm going to include some interesting articles about that race in the show notes. You guys should go and check it out if you're not familiar with it. It's kind of a crazy story, crazy, yeah, whole chain of events that happened with that race. But pertinent to this conversation, Jose was very open and honest and transparent about what Spartan is doing in the trail and ultramarathon space and what runners should expect. So I hope everybody listening comes to this podcast with an open mind. As always, in an effort of full disclosure, I have no financial entanglement with Spartan. They don't pay me a dime for anything. I have never been asked by Spartan to promote their products in any way, shape, or form. They've never flown me out to a race or asked me to do anything for them. I'm doing this so that the listeners understand what is going on with these partnerships that Spartan is engaging in and what is going on with their foray into trail and ultra running. That's it. It's always for you guys. It's always for the listeners. So... Without any further ado, here is my conversation with Josue Stevens from Spartan, all about their entry into trail and ultra running. I was reading this morning that 
Spartan is going to be like first back to the game in the mass participation space. So are you, are you okay with talking a little bit about that since it's a little topical and feel free to say no if, if it's if it's taboo or out of your wheelhouse or whatever? I am. I, um, I'm not as involved on the sure. OCR side of things now. Now that trail has become a big thing, they've kind of separated it out. Um, and this first event doesn't include a trail component. Um, so, but yeah, okay. perfectly happy to just kind okay. of talk well, about it. Well, it's, <laughs> it's topical. And I mean, it literally came across my inbox this morning. And just to timestamp this a little bit, since there's going to be a lag between when we record and when this gets released, we're talking the morning of May 14th, 2020, in the middle of the COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic. And I feel that every time... I record a podcast and I have it wait like a week in post-production, some aspect of it becomes obsolete in that one week span of time. (laughs) I think this might be one as well, but I mean, needless to say that Spartan is kind of like they, they're, they're taking the stance on the OCR side that they want to be one of the first people back into the mass participation space. And, you know, I, I find this from a business perspective it just fascinating because I understand the need to keep the public safety and the athlete's safety as the highest priority, but it's not mutually exclusive with getting back to training and racing and things like that. Those two things can can coexist in a Venn diagram that has some sort of overlap. Now, how they can coexist, I think, is the kind of thing the the thing that's kind of under contention. So to set the stage a little bit, Spartan came out two days ago. One day ago was this press release. Yesterday was Yesterday. the press release. So this is like breaking news in terms of when Yesterday. we're recording it. And I'm sure the social media is like, is by the time this comes out has probably had its few rounds with it. So just yesterday came out and they said, we're going to have a sprint race, sprint OCR race in Florida, Jacksonville, Florida. Am I correct on that? Yeah. Jacksonville, right. Florida. And like a lot of other um, uh, organizations and industries, whether you look at you know the restaurant industry or you look at retail, they're kind of phasing in how they're coming back. They're you know they're they're separating the participants. They're having these kind of like wave starts, and they're trying to ensure that they have more space. And there's all these you know. Uh, sanitation protocols that have been been put in place some of the obstacles have been uh have been removed all in an effort to blend this aspect that i was talking about earlier of getting back to the racing scene and also keeping the participation the participants safe so i mean what can you i I know you don't have a a huge involvement on the ocr side of things but what can you kind of like tell us about the inside and what is what what is the race essentially going to look like in the immediate future well, you know, Joe led, I don't know if you read the article where Joe said it's going to be safer than an elevator yeah. or, you know, grocery shopping. And looking at the infrastructure and everything, I, I, I can kind of agree with that. I think, you know, when people think of mass participation events, they, they worry immediately. They think about exposure. But I, you know, I've been thinking about that as I go to the grocery store, that it's probably one of the riskiest um, places to go. Um, so I, I think... Uh, I think that, you know, Spartan's taking the stance because, you know, it's sort of like uh, if we are going to start, when can we start? When is the right time to start? If not now, when? 
Um, internally, the team really has been working on a plan on what things are going to look like when we can open up again, really since this this whole thing started, knowing that it was inevitable that we would start up again. And we have to start up again if if, um, if Spartan wants to keep yeah. <laughs> stay alive. It's an, it's an event company after all. Um, so I, I, the team has worked very, very hard. We, we've worked kind of on a general protocol of what, um, Spartan events will look like. And then on the trail side of things, we're working on a trail specific protocol because it's a little bit different if they're standalone events. But, uh, what I can say is the team has taken a lot of precautions and everything that you see out there will be, um, will be implemented everything on the plan will be implemented um, very, very well. And um, Spartan is spending, you know, also this isn't cheap to do, you know, post-COVID events are not cheap to do. So Spartan is actually spending a lot of extra money to to make this happen and not changing the ticket price. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's, for, for some racers, I've been reading some of the comments, I, I wouldn't say it's going to be the most comfortable experience. You know, nobody likes to run around in a mask. Um, and gloves, it's not going to be easy for for the organizers um, either, for the staff and the volunteers. But uh, I think Spartan is trying to lead the charge in saying, "Hey, we want to put on events again. We want to put them on safely." And um, yeah, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see how the the public reacts to well, it. Well, as as you guys are about to to find out, since you're second day into it right now. And and I'm sure this is these discussions have gone on behind the scenes. I've been a, I've been a part of those operations from a camp perspective, from an event management perspective for for years and 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 have a good scope of, you know, these decisions don't just get made because a wild hair got put up somebody's butt. Like you have to like thoroughly, you know, go and think about these things. What can you paint the picture at least initially in the in, in this in this in this very first 24 hours since this press release has kind of gone out like what has the public reaction been we had a sense of what it was going to be because a customer sentiment survey yeah. has been sent out so part of the the restart policy for every state every country where we operate is that this customer sentiment survey sent out to the database. So we kind of had a feeling of what it was going to be like. I would say it's been really very mixed, almost 50-50 in a lot of ways. I mean, some people are saying too soon. Other people are saying, what are you talking about? I would say every other comment is almost <laughs> exactly yeah, like It just that. keeps flipping, right, from, so, one, from, from, from one side to the other, one side to the other, yeah. Yeah. It does. And on a personal level, I, you know, I almost feel like I, I don't really know what to think about it. And I think a lot of people maybe are, are, are like that, you know, it's, um, you have, you have to restart at some point. Um, it's now being allowed, you know, in certain states. And if you do it properly, you know, why not? But then, you know, it's easy to think about the flip side. Are you guys going to well. do any like, any so I, like I, follow up with the athletes in terms of, you know, contact tracing, or if somebody does end up coming, you know, down with COVID, like, do you have like a communication plan to, you know, the rest of the participant participant base or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. There is a, there is a post event communication plan, um, contact tracing as far as like using an app or anything like that. I mean, right now it all depends on the technology, but it is 
it is something that's in in a working yeah. SOP. Okay. Well, I, I know I'm kind of throwing that at you last minute, but the news was just so breaking, man. We can't, <laughs> we can't not talk about it, right? I mean, this is just the it's the yeah. storyline that's dominating the landscape today, and if, I, I would I would be remiss, and I think the listeners would be remiss to not at least hear some angle of that, considering you guys are certainly the biggest and one of the first mass participatory types of events to come back into the fold and that you know people just want to hear hear the take on it hear the opinion on it you know i hear georgia was allowing um i think uh atv some sort of motorsports events um i think yeah. it was last weekend supposedly there were thousands yeah. of people there and that's more of a you know spectator yeah. sport. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to unfold, certainly. And I think that um, in terms of the conversation that we want to get into, which is trail running specific, because that's the audience here, um, it's going to be a hard thing to blend because we can't ignore the COVID-19 pandemic. But, this, but at the same time, I, I want to kind of ignore it because we're going to have a light at the end of this tunnel eventually. And who knows when it's going to be. That's just prognosticating that you and I don't really need to get into. But suffice it to say, Spartan is kind of, they're planning their flag into the trail running space to a large extent. I mean, you guys have your own trail running events. You guys have, you guys have partnered with other trail running events to have Spartan world championships and to have a broader impact, uh, outside of the events that, um, uh, that, that you operate. And so, uh, what, what I'm trying to, uh, what I'm trying to illustrate here is, is that this is at times, this is going to be like this awkward conversation because you had all of these events that were planned out in the trail and ultra running space. And now it's kind of a, man, like we don't know, we don't know exactly what, we don't know exactly what we're going to do with it. So I want to try to capture is what, like what was the plan pre pandemic in terms of trail and ultra running? What would it, what would it have looked like? And like what from an athletic, from a, from an athlete perspective, when an athlete goes to one of your events, whether it's, an event that is in conjunction with an OCR uh, race or an event that is a Spartan trail race or an event that you guys are in partnership with, what does that kind of like look like, look and feel like? So that the, so that the listeners out there, when they see this and it's a brand that they have some vague familiarity with, what should, you know, kind of what, what should they expect? Because the, you guys have done a brilliant job branding over the last several years to have these races where it's all these ripped muscular dudes and gals with their shirts off, like doing these gnarly things and there's mud all over them and they're jumping over these obstacles and, you know, blood, sweat, mud, mud, guts, and tears and all that kind of stuff. And, and if that's the extent of what trail runners know OCR to be, there can be a little bit of a mismatch between perception and reality. So I kind of want to paint that, 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 that whole broad, that whole broad picture during the course of this conversation. Sound good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it probably helps to start kind of in the beginning, like how did Spartan get into trail and, uh, and all of that. But one of my primary jobs is to get that sort of shirtless muscled, at the start line look away from Spartan Trail and that's kind of why Spartan Trail is now a little bit of a separate 
entity operating within Spartan so that yeah. we can do okay. that. So let's start with the, the genesis of it. So Spartan Trail, a lot it is coming into the scene. <laughs> I feel like you guys are coming into the scene at like the worst time in the world. But you, you but it was it's it's <laughs> obviously a strategic know. business decision. I mean, you guys have a huge user base, over a hundred or sorry, over a million participants annually, correct? In this in the Spartan yes. race. 1.5. And the the World trail running right. space as a whole is about a million people depending upon what estimate that you're uh uh that you, that you're looking at but it's very fractured meaning there's not a larger organization a la ironman a la spartan and tough mutter that dominates a big part of the landscape they're like onesie twosie races for um, for almost everything so take us back to the very beginning in terms of you know, what the genesis of Spartan Trail was. So at the very, very beginning, if you look at Joe, when he first started out, I don't know if you knew, he comes from the adventure racing world. So Eco Challenge. He also did, um, I think, the Grand Slam of Ultra Running back in the day. Um, I know he did back-to-back 100 milers and two weekends. So he's he's definitely no no newbie to um, trail and And this is the Spartan CEO, and, uh, Joe DeSena. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, Joe DeSena is the, the Spartan CEO. So he, he kind of came in things from the long, extreme um, uh, ultra endurance events. And um, and then Spartan, uh, the, the race format as we know it now with OCR kind of came about sort of as a short format way to get people off the couch and to reach the masses. Um, uh, Spartan Trail kind of started up about two years ago, sort of as a as an idea. We have you know a lot of venues. Most of the the venues in the U.S. are um, private private venues, and um, some of them are ski venues, and a lot of them are places where um, other other race organizers don't really have access to those places. We come in, we have the numbers, we have the relationships now with a lot of these um, these venues, and so part of the idea was a lot of times there's there's um, plenty of, of space to put on another race, a trail race, you know, at the same time as an, as an obstacle course race. And there had been feedback, you know, through customer service and um, a lot of the participants that people were looking to do just a run. And, um, you know, like maybe their, their husband or wife is doing the obstacle course race. And at the same time, they want something to do. Um, so the idea kind of grew from that a little bit like, Hey, let's just put trail races on, um, at the existing venue. It's, uh, not a whole lot of a lift and, um, and it gives these people something to do, um, from that seed. Um, obviously, you know, we started looking at things from the business perspective, looking at the sport of, of trail running and seeing, um, where it was going. And obviously it's growing quite a bit and the demand for it is, um, is increasing a lot. So we decided to do, in 2018, we did two test events, um, one in Virginia, one at one of our California events uh, near LA, and um, it worked out pretty well. I mean, people really enjoyed the enjoyed it. It seemed to fit well within the, the OCR um, format, because, you know, there's a whole lot of noise. You're talking five to 10,000 people that are doing an OCR event, and then you've got your tiny little trail race. Our test races were 300 people. So it was it was tiny um, considering everything else going on that weekend, but the feedback was was generally pretty good. So for 2019, we launched a 
13, 13 events um, in the U.S., and then we did three um, events, three test events internationally to see how well it worked internationally. And um, and the feedback was very positive. I mean, in 2019, over 50% of the people that ran a trail race um, based on our surveys were brand new to trail running. They hadn't done, they hadn't even done a Spartan event in the past. Maybe a family member or someone had. They've done road races, maybe a 10K, 5K, but they were brand new to trail running. So to us, that was really, really exciting. I mean, we led with shorter distances. I think we had that year we had a 10K and then what we called a 21K. And now we've converted to a half marathon format. Um, but that was exciting because we thought, hey, we're bringing in brand new people and uh, maybe they're coming to do a Spartan Trail event um, as their first trail race because maybe they're comfortable with the brand or they already have a family member that's coming in to do an OCR event. They're intimidated by OCR, but they but they're comfortable with the brand. Um, so then we, you know, at the same time on, in 2019, we were simultaneously, I was working on the sport side of things and what trail running looks like at the upper end of the spectrum. You know, obviously my background, I do a lot of, um, ultra distance races. And, um, uh, so that's, that's sort of my passion is a longer format. And then we do have an endurance, um, world within the Spartan OCR world. You've seen some of the ultra distance OCR events. Um, so we were kind of working on that side of things. And that's how these relationships with these longer races um, kind of came about as part of our effort to really do with the short distance events, kind of a bottom up strategy, and then a top down with the longer, more established events um, that Joe likes to call halo events. So existing events that have been around for a while, like Trans Gran Canaria and Lavaredo, UTMB, obviously, um, those are all those are all halo events. So our strategy was to um, partner with those events and create a, a world series that would attract um, pro pro racers, you know, elite racers and, and to elevate trail running. So I love the way that you painted that. So with your initial like pilot data, essentially, you're taking your existing venues and for the most part, your existing audience maybe not the participants because you'd mentioned some a lot of people coming into the trail race uh into the trail race specifically are new to trail running it might be new to a spartan race they're a family member or something like that but in large in large part you're leveraging your venue which already exists and creating another event for people to do within that venue and you're kind of leveraging your existence your existing audience to try to create some sort of template essentially and Spartan yes. Trail, ha as you mentioned, has these, I don't know exactly how to describe it other than, I, 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 other than like two flavors or different flavors. There are the events that Spartan kind of owns and operates, for lack of a better word. And you can correct me on the ownership piece of it. But they're kind of contained Spartan events. It's you guys running the show, either whether it's in your OCR events or a specific trail event. And then there are other events that you have partnered with to some extent to create a Spartan World Championship or a Spartan race. Is that a correct interpretation of the business situation behind it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We've got right now, I'd say what we have is a, a sandwich. We've got the piece of bread on the bottom and the piece of bread on the top. 
And there's still some filling to be figured out. <laughs> Ultra runners love food analogies. Um, so that's going to go over really well, as you know, right? Oh, great. <laughs> you know, maybe we could make it like a burrito or something like that. But sandwich will work with sandwiches, common right. aid station food, and an ultra. <laughs> okay. So let, let's take let's take both slices of bread. And, and I want you to describe them because a lot of, a lot of ultra runners are going to be familiar with the second slice of bread, the existing races, but not what you are bringing to the table with those events. Fewer runners are going to be familiar with the first slice of bread, the events that you guys own and operate or are part, already part of some sort of OCR event. So let, let's kind of like start there with the least known commodity in the whole equation, the events that you guys kind of own and operate. What, what is an athlete going to experience when they go to a Spartan trail race? Uh, some are, <laughs> I'll, all right. Um, I was going to say some, some might be turned off by it at first because they're not used to the loud and the music and this and that. If you're, if you're expecting to come in and see a little 10 by 10 with a table and grab your bib number five minutes before the event and, um, take off running and there's a little inflatable arch, that's, that's not going to be the experience. Um, because these are paired up with OCR events, which are already pretty large, you know, they're generally in that five to 10,000 person range. Um, it's, you know, it's going to be a little bit louder and, um, you might be the, the little trail runner that's next to, um, all the muscled up guys in, in line, <laughs> you know, to get, to pick up your packet and it might feel a little bit intimidating. Um, you know, loud music playing, or or you might say, "Hey, I dig this." Is a little bit of a different. But there's experience. a lot going on. Um, it's a festival atmosphere. There's a lot. There's, there's a, a lot going and, on. And runners that have been to the North Face Endurance 50 Championship, which is now defunct, or they might try to revive it. Who knows what's going to happen at the end of this? But they're kind of they're kind of used to that festival atmosphere, particularly at the finish line for that event, where it's not just a finishing arch. They've got a band, you know, playing in the background, a bunch of food vendors people can kind of people can come hang out there's usually a cornhole tournament going on a bunch of vendors that are uh that are trying to you know sell and demo their wares and things like that spartan race is is not dissimilar to that where there's just a lot of things going on and also there there are uh, several different events going on at the same time as well correct yeah we have uh, quite a few distances i'm Going back real quick to the to the um, festival atmosphere and all of that, and I think that's something that experience is probably within trail race is probably a little stranger in the U.S. or a little more uncommon than it is, you know, in Europe or even you know in Asia. There are some very large events and um, trail events in Asia as well, where there is that. You know, anytime you have you know thousands and thousands of people, the atmosphere is going to be a little bit louder. The music's going to be louder. There's going to be a lot more going on. Um, so I think. I, I guess this will be a little more of a strange concept to maybe the U.S. trail runner that hasn't gone to any other large events. I mean, yep. even UTMB, that's a big, that's yep. a big that's production. A, that's the example I was going to um, bring up. Whenever I have athletes that have no international experience and they go over to UTMB, I spend the last couple months of coaching them, like kind of preparing them for the atmosphere of the actual race and the city and or the town and how busy it is and all the other things going on and hey watch all the videos just to make sure you that the that the hoopla 
around it isn't such of a culture shock when you get over there. So that, that's a good analogy. I mean, it's more akin to UTMB as, as, as opposed to, you know, some of these low key hundred milers like the bear or Wasatch or something like that. Yeah. And our, our, our trail culture in the U S has evolved a little yep. differently. I think yep. not been as commercialized. Um, but yeah, the experience is, you know, for some people it's great. You come in, there's a festival area and, you know, we call it the, the festival area because it is a contained area and people do pay like a fee to enter, even if they're not participating in the event. And we can, we can get into that, um, a little more. And, uh, you know, there's a kid's race available. They're, you know, changing tents, there are showers, there's a bag check, there's food and music. Um, you know, they're workouts and you know warm-ups and all sorts of different things in there uh, you know most of it is geared toward the ocr because you're looking at you know that's 95 percent of the population that's that's there at the event um but as trail continues to grow you know we're starting to do more trail specific things last year we had a trail tent where we had um you know, well-known trail runners would come in, you know, Dean Carnazis, Scott Jurek was a, um, one of our events earlier in the year last year where people can come and meet, you know, meet them. We had trail runner as a partner last year and, um, they had magazines, um, there for people and, uh, yeah, just, just more, you know, also trail specific companies, um, tailwind, um, and all of that. So, so the infrastructure will continue to grow and be a little more trail centric in certain parts of the festival. But I would say the experience will be pretty OCR within the festival. Once you go, once you start the race and you do the start line, we work pretty hard to make sure that the trail course is separate from the OCR and you're not mixing in with it. You're not running alongside people that are also running, you know, doing obstacles. Um, and depending on the venue, you know, you're in some beautiful single track and some really nice, um, fairly gnarly terrain, depending on, we had a Montana race, unfortunately it got canceled. And I was excited about that trail race because it's a, a beautiful course. And um, we can do more with the trails in a trail race because we don't have to worry about where we're going to put obstacles. So we can put people up and over a mountain where we wouldn't be able to consider that in an OCR because we can't put a wall up there. Or we can't get a truck up there to get an obstacle. So that's kind of cool. I think um, the team that organizes uh, the courses, puts the courses together, has a lot of fun with that. Um, but, uh, you know, and then you get to the finish line and it is kind of a loud uh, experience with a <laughs> loud announcer and you're getting your shirt and you do have a mixed finish line. So you have people finishing the OCR event and you're finishing your trial race at the same time. They're giving out the different medals. Um, so that's, that's what we call our quote unquote regular season events. And, um, that's the product that we, that we started with when we started with and what, what are the distances? So we have, um, 10 K, uh, half marathon, and then 50 K was added this year to those regular and season. You're doing events. all of, um, only all in of those venues. In this, all, potentially all of those in the same venue. So exactly. can you, can you, yeah. since, since you're trail runner, ultra runner, that's your background, try to paint some of the differences between just the trail aesthetics of doing one of your, and we'll just take 50 K cause a lot of this audience is going to be ultra specific versus trail specific, but just some of the trail, some of the trail differences that there may or may not be between a 50 K that you guys designed in this contained environment 
of the Spartan venue versus a 50K like the Rut or some other, you know, some other 50K that doesn't, that doesn't have those, those, those boundaries associated with where they can and can't go. Yeah, I would say, hmm, well, the rut's kind of unfair because that's I know. Well, epic. sorry. Pick, pick <laughs> another like, one then. That's like taking like the, the pinnacle of like <laughs> a, cool a cool race. race. I love those guys over um, there. <laughs> so I would say we don't have anything like the rut, but we do have some cool, cool venues like, you know, Tahoe, for example. Squaw Valley is um, where Spartans had their the world championships for a few years, and we had a trail race there last year. And you know, you're running on a lot of the same trails. You know, we use the Western States trail for, for the trail, um, distance there. So in terms of the experience, a lot of it is venue dependent, but, um, you know, you're running on, you're running on single track. Once you leave the festival and before you arrive in the festival, you're out running the, the race. I would think you would feel like you're pretty much any other, any other trail race. Um, you know, we, we put together pretty, pretty good courses, um, it's really the a, a couple of the nuances, you know, the headband thing that came from from OCR. Potentially, that's something that will change. But everybody has a headband that has their race number on it, um, and that's kind of funny because when people come into registration and they get the headband, they're like, "What the heck is this for? Where's my bit number?" <laughs> <laughs> so those are a few things that kind of came from the OCR side, and we're evaluating whether that flavor is something that's necessary with trail. And um, I think the headband really isn't, so that'll probably be phasing out. Um, the headband came into play with OCR because bib numbers would just tear off right. after people would go right. through obstacles. Right. So after a few years of bib numbers, picking up thousands of bib numbers out on the course and no one having a number, we just went to headbands. Um, so people, trail runners ask, what's up with the silly headbands? <laughs> <laughs> so suffice it to say, the picture that, you're, that, that I'm trying to paint here is it's not too indifferent from a normal 50K. Like you guys aren't trying to like over contrive the course to have a bunch of loops or stay around the venue. Like you're trying to have like a natural course that fits the contours of the terrain, just like any other trail race. Exactly. And, and one of the things that we did when we started the trail um, races, we have a lot of great race directors with OCR and they're used to, you know, pr producing really high quality events with a lot of people. So I would say on a level of expertise, these OCR race directors are, are very, very good. But when it came to designing courses, we said um, we're not going to let them design the courses. We're going to bring in race directors from trail that already know what a trail course needs to look like to, to do it because there are, there are differences in there. So we brought in Lewis Escobar the first year and he designed a lot of the courses and actually worked with the race directors to design them. Um, another guy, Chris Brown, we've had a lot of like trail runners and trail race directors that have come in um, to design the courses. So yeah, at, up to now, all of the courses are designed by experienced trail race directors. So that helps with more of that natural feel um, they are limited sometimes. Like if you talk to Lewis or somebody like that, <laughs> they'll tell you it's a pain in the butt sometimes to have to work with these venues because it is a little more restrictive. I mean, some are great like Montana than other ones like our venue in, in Seattle is a little tougher. You know, you're running through cow fields yeah. some of the time and you're like, how do I make this interesting? Oh, well, trust me. Every race director out there wants some part of their course to be different because it there it improves the aesthetics or it improves some feature of the course but they're 
restricted by some permitting agency or not being able to fit as many people on that like a little one section of trail or whatever so those compromises that lewis is going through every race director feels those same pains it's never perfect you always have to you always have to make the best course possible given the constraints that you have from the forest service and the number of people that you want to fit on the course and safety and all of those things it's there's always a compromise yeah yeah 100 percent Yeah. So I would say experience wise, when you're out on the course, you're having a trail experience. I would say the, the start and the finish line, the festival atmosphere, those are the the things that might be the shock factor for some (laughs) trail runners that are expecting just some low key, you know, sitting on lawn chairs at the finish line, drinking a beer type of experience, which is fine. I mean, as long as they know what they're getting into. Um, okay. Let's, let's kind of, let's, let's try to forecast a little bit out to a theoretical perfect 2021 if that is going to actually happen can you get can you give the listeners some of like the scope and breadth of where these trail races the the first flavor of trail races that we've been talking about where they're going to exist how many and how many of them are there we don't have to go through the whole calendar but just just generalize how many of them are going to be out there so the interesting thing about Spartan is that, you know, we're a, a global company. We we own and manage all of the U.S. events, all of the Canada events. Now, this is the first year um, in Canada that we, we own and manage all of those events. And then the rest of the world, um, we operate with um, licensees, essentially franchisees that buy the license to to op- own and operate Spartan. So when we started Spartan Trail, we tested, you know, in the U.S., we proved the concept in the U.S., and then we also tested in a couple of other countries with our licensees. Um, this year, we gave the option to licensees to add trail to venues that had enough space for it using the same format we had, and we're up to close to 50 events, or we let's, let's talk pre-COVID, right? right? Um, we were up to close to 50 events i'd have to take account now after the <laughs> the cancellations to see where we are next year um with the licensee network we were going to have about 100 to 120 of these regular season trail events with distances from 10k up to 50k venue dependent so that's the thing like we had the opportunity to scale very very quickly with trail because of the licensee right. network yeah, that and that's a cr- incredible network right there. And once again, to my earlier point, like you're leveraging the things that already exist. Now let's get kind of the nitty gritty and maybe some of the things that have been more contentious or more more discussed in the trail running space. And let me first start out by by with a couple of caveats or just with a couple of my like personal thought thoughts. First off, there's there's always consternation around whenever a larger organization comes into a like a smaller entity that always happens there's always a little bit of friction we can go back to the leadville lifetime example which is a which is a great one that's uh, endemic to the trail and ultra running space but if you broaden it out to any other participatory sport or even other business opportunities, whenever a big company kind of starts to play in the smaller company's waters or the smaller waters, there's always friction and consternation. That's, and, and, and that's just, that's just going to happen. The second thing that I'll say is that nobody owns trail running. 
you know, trail running belongs to the people, not to one organization or another organization or another organization. If whatever Spartan Ironman, somebody else kind of comes in and wants to own and operate trail races, my personal opinion is that they, as long as they're adhering to like the culture and the ethos that has been established throughout decades before they came in, great. They should be able to, to, to kind of play ball. So with that being said, we know that there's always going to be some friction <laughs> and certainly there's been that. I mean, I think right out of the gate, you know, without no anybody knowing anything, without you having run one single non-test event, people are already throwing their hands up in the air and crying foul about this, that, and the other. But we're going to start, we're going to wade in those waters in kind of a little bit of a respectful way because I want the listeners to understand that it's not so... I just want I just want to, the listeners to understand the entire picture, which we can start to paint. So first off, right off the bat, somebody comes in and does a Spartan trail race. What's going to be the hit to their pocketbook? In yeah. terms of the cost yeah. of the ticket, um, 10K, I think $79. It, it varies depending on, on location, but I'll just um, throw that out there. Yeah, you're spending around you know, in that $100 range, depending on the distance, a little more, a little less, um, between 80 to 100. And um, and then you do have a parking fee in some places. Now Spartan's starting to include it in most states where parking's now included in the registration fee. Um, and that can be anywhere from 5 to $10. And then there is the, um, if you have family or friends or anybody that's coming, there's what used to be called the spectator fee, which was $20 per person. It's now called a festival um, festival pass, um, just because it talks a little more about what it is. Um, $20, it, it doesn't get charged to you as, as the runner. It would be if you you bring anybody. Now with, with the trail event, we added uh, one free pass per um, trail entry. So if I'm running and I want to bring my, my friend or my wife or one person, then I get one free festival pass. And then I have to pay the $20 for anybody else. Um, that's participating. So that's, that's it. Um, now quick caveat to that is that, um, that's all country dependent as well and region region dependent. So in Canada, for example, there were some parts of Canada that didn't charge that festival fee. Um, a lot of it is also venue dependent. If the, the venue has more of an open format, like in Squaw Valley, we never had a festival, um, pass because it's it's in the village the whole thing is integrated in the village and no one's going to pay to get in there we keep it open um so a lot of it is dependent sure. on that and in other countries most of them don't charge a festival and fee. does the base price scale up based on the distance so they go up to the 50k it's more expensive it does okay, so why don't you run through that a little bit like what does it scale up to in 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 a lot of the venues um so yeah so just ballparking here and um i don't have uh any of the races open in front of me on the computer to, to look at the exact pricing grid, but we have kind of a, a pricing grid. Um, it goes essentially from like $79 up to, I believe, 140 ish okay. for the 50 K. Okay. So that's kind of the sliding scale. And then it has, instead of um, doing date based pricing where the price changes, depending on dates, like a lot of races do, we do inventory based. So the first 100 slots are X amount, right. and then it goes up and so okay. on and so forth. And that's kind of standard yeah. across okay. the board. Well, let's get into the most controversial part. And I, oh, I appreciate you wanting to talk about this because it's 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 made people's hair turn gray for whatever reason when when they when they look at this proposition. And this is the 
formerly known as spectator fee, which now is the festival fee. Festival fee? Is that what you're calling it now? Okay. Good yeah, rebrand, by the way. Kudos yeah. to your marketing team. <laughs> I, that's, I mean, because you're, char- you're charging for what the experience is. Like the previous connotation yeah, of the spectator it fee, it's like you're charging me for spectators. No, we're going to charge you for this like experience that you're having. I think that's a better branding of that that particular way to of that of that particular revenue line item. But this is one of those areas that trail runners are just not used to. And yeah, going back to how I set this how I set this piece of the conversation up. Whenever trail runners or dot or any group is just not used to something, they're going to throw their hands up in the air and go, "Oh, well, you know, why do I now have to? Why do I now have to pay for that?" And I know that you've gotten feedback within the own OCR, the endemic OCR community, on this for years. And now that you're coming into the trail running uh, space, I, I think suffice it to say, for my observation from the outside looking in, that that feedback is a little bit more ferocious against some sort of festival or spectator fee? Is that a fair assessment? I believe so. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that came out <laughs> right when Spartan launched his trail events at the end of 2018. There were some that hammered a little bit harder than others against us. I, I think so. The di- big difference is that technically, you know, Tough Mudder and Spartan are OCR, right? right? They essentially created obstacle course racing and were the leaders and so they charge. They both charge for parking. They both charge access fees for the festivals, and that's just kind of how it goes. And people complain about it, but they kind of got used to it. Um, it's part of that sport. When we brought those practices into trail, then that's when we got criticized because we're not used to that. But if you look at at our side of it, if you look at Spartan side of it, it's like you can't create a trail race within the Spartan infrastructure, and then all of a sudden say trail racers right. don't have to pay this festival access fee, but everybody else still does. Cause then imagine we've got 10,000 people at that event yelling at us, not the 300 trophies. You got to look right, at the numbers. No, but that's a great way to paint it. I mean, this is a, this is an event within a, within a Spartan event. The trail component is an event within yes. a Spartan event and the rules kind of apply to the rules apply to everybody. So my question for my question as a consumer and I want to go to these events. I want to experience a Spartan trail race and a Spartan OCR race. I've been to them, but I haven't actually participated in one. But what I want to know is, is, is it worth the price of admission? Since you're calling it a festival fee, I'm going to use that vocabulary, right? You're, you're, you're this, the spectators are paying a fee to go into a, to a festival. Now, obviously you think that that the, the cost of that is worth the price of admission, but what has the feedback been from the people that are coming in as family members, as spectators that then have to pay for this festival fee? What do they get out of the experience? So that's something that I think this whole trail thing um, kicked it into motion last year where the production team said, you know, it's a fair question. What is this fee for? Are people paying just to come in and spectate and we're just, you know, capitalizing off of it. And so they started a whole kind of a festival campaign internally to really turn the festival into something more exciting and um, create a better value proposition for for the for people paying, you know, coming in. So they've started adding things, looking at adding, you know, DJs and live music and um, more more things for the kids to get engaged in. So there are some things that we've been um, testing 
in within Spartan to make it more interesting. I would say for the trail runner, it's still difficult to come into an OCR festival and, um, you know, to pay that festival fee and feel that you got your money's worth. And I'm just, yeah. <laughs> just being upfront, it's probably not the best marketing for it, but just because it is still OCR centric and some people are happy as a lark to pay, um, 20 bucks to stand, um, at the obstacles because we put all the key obstacles all the really interesting obstacles um and the way that the course is designed it comes in and out of the festival and sometimes even above it with a bridge or underneath it um so if you're there watching your athlete or even if it's someone's first time spartan race and you're a parent you don't give a crap that you pay 20 bucks because you're excited right. you can see right. your your right. your runner out there doing these obstacles now as a trail racer if you're there um, for your trail racer you see them leave, you see them come back. They might dip in and out of the festival at a distance, but there's really nothing there. So I would say the biggest attraction is the obstacles. Um, we're looking to add more things, like I mentioned, the DJ and all of that. But but currently, no. I mean, you have food trucks and music. There's merchandise and things like that. I mean, there's definitely that atmosphere, but um, that's yeah. that's it. Um, I, I do have to say we brought some trail runners and I won't name them because I would let them speak for themselves, but some pretty well-known um, trail runners um, to a Spartan race that had never been to one before. And, you know, obviously they were very aware of this whole festival access fee or this spectator fee. But when they saw it, they're like, OK, now I get why why you guys charge for this. It's there's a spectacle. It's it's an event may not be as interesting to a trail runner. Um but there is something that's being charged for. It's not like you're just charging people to show up at a 10 by 10 tent, a little finish line um, to to watch their friend finish a race. Is the course open for spectators to view outside of this this festival? Well, first off, what what is the festival area? Like kind of if you can visually describe like the boundaries of it, because I want to start to paint the picture of a, a trail runner comes into a Spartan trail race with their family and their family wants to watch, watch them race. They want to watch them race at a certain part of the course and they want to watch them finish. So what is the festival? Like, what is this like enclosed festival area encompass exactly from in terms of where is it on the race course? So it's, it's right at the, the entrance, you know, it's a, it's a closed festival area. So it's just like coming to a, county right. fair or something like that it's fully you know gated around um and most of the course and everything is sort of beyond you if you come from parking you won't see it i mean it depends on it's all so venue dependent but um you know it's an enclosed area there's a registration sort of check-in area they come through with you know there's security and everything and uh once you get through and you get inside you'll usually go through like a merchandise area as you're entering and exiting the festival and um once you get inside, you're in, in the festival area, you see all of the obstacles, you'll see the main stage, the DJ, and um, and then the start line and the finish line, they're separate start and finish lines, and they're usually kind of on opposite ends of the festival, and you'll see those those as well. Now, whether or not, um, we usually have spectator routes, like for the OCR, we'll, we'll even put on the map, you know, you can go to these obstacles, family and friends can go to these obstacles, even if it's a couple of miles out. That's all really venue dependent. It depends, you know, if these are private properties and the owners have said, you know, absolutely no one except for a participant out on the course, then there's there's only so much we can do. With the trail race, um, we did a, an event in Los Olivos last year. We called the U.S. Trail Championship. We had a pretty big prize purse, $50,000. 
we had quite a few good trail racers come and, and that was a fully open course. It was a ranch. Um, people could go pretty much anywhere they wanted on the trail race to come and watch their, their friends, um, run. But, uh, but yeah, like I mentioned, it's all super venue specific. So here's where the friction is going to be, right? Which I'm sure you're already aware of, of, of this, of this kind of conflict. So I, I've had athletes that have done OCR, OCR races and I've gone to those and had no problem paying the spectator, the event fee. What was at the time called the spectator fee? Now it's called the festival fee. No, no problem doing it. I think it's an entertaining product. If I didn't have an, an athlete in the race and I just wanted to go and watch a bunch of OCR races, I'd go and do it. Absolutely. I think that's an entertaining product. But at the same time, you're going to have trail runners who are not used to it that come to it with their families. And the only thing their family wants to see is the runner finish. And it's gated off. And that that piece that piece of it from a trail running perspective from the trail running community's perspective is it's it's too much in conflict i'm trying to come up with the words for it but I, and i really and i really can't because it's such a as, as you very well are aware of it's such a strong part of why friends and family members come out to races is specifically to see their loved one cross the finish line Give them a big old sweaty hug or whatever social distance equivalent is going to exist in twenty in twenty twenty one. That's just a big part of it. That's just like a big part of the community. And by create like literally creating a fence around it and charging to get inside of that fence, irrespective of all the other cool stuff that's going on, I'm sure that's rubbing people the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, and and like I mentioned, you know, we within the trail side of things my job and anybody else that works on the trail side of things is to find out what works within trail and what doesn't and we have you know like the first thing that i did was um push to change it to a festival pass so people understood what that was and that some of that drive came from me um toward the marketing team and then the other one was to add the free um free entry with with one one registration so those are the little tweaks we can do but um, from, from our side, you know, when you're trying to change things just for yeah. trail, you're talking about those 500 to a thousand people, um, compared with the other 10,000. And so we have to balance those. <laughs> and I come up against the business team and I'm like, you know, more festival passes. And they're like looking at the numbers, like, uh, <laughs> well, it's what, it comes out of that saying, right. You can please all the people, some of the time, some of the people all the time, but not all the people all the time. <laughs> so yeah. I don't envy your position certainly. And I, 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 I think whenever I look at an organization that responds to the feedback of their consumers and listens to people that have more experience with them in the space, my take on it is you'll eventually figure it out. And that's why I look, mm-hmm. I, that's why I look at this thing. I say, okay, they're going to eventually, fi- they're going to eventually figure it out. It's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows and gummy bears right from the get go. And they're going to be some people that are still pissed off no matter what the solution is five or 10 years from now. But on the course of the whole, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I look at the way that you're approaching it and, my, my professional opinion on it is, is you'll, you'll eventually figure it out. It's going to change from this year and it's going to change a lot from this year to next year. <laughs> It'll change from 2021 to 2022 to 2023. There's always going to be those like little ebbs and flows. But the important thing is, is like you're listening, you're listening, you're listening to the, con- you're listening to the consumers. 
From a COVID-friendly side of things, you can say that our uh, festival access fee is going to limit the amount of people <laughs> yeah, coming in, right? It controls <laughs> it a little bit more. So let's find that silver line. You're not going to take care for that, though. That's, um, that's circumstantial. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but one thing I can say is, so out of, you know, like I mentioned, it's it's really U.S. only. Um and then it's about two thirds of the events, I would say, that are the integrated events with OCR that are charging that fee. Um, some of them because of the venue already don't charge, like I mentioned, Tahoe and a couple of the other ski venues. And um, and then any event that we put on that's going to be standalone trail. So obviously all the world championship events, all of that, we're not adding that fee. That's not a fee that we want to add. It's only really where OCR is happening, where it's already integrated into um into the product so we you know if we do put on if we create a standalone spartan trail somewhere that's only trail you can expect there will not be a festival okay that's that's actually good that's really good to know and actually gives us a good transition point from the trail events that are within the ocr venues or the existing ocr venues to the trail championships events which i'm going to describe as partnerships and you're more than welcome to elaborate what types of partnerships those are if you want to. And I know a lot of those business deals uh, are under NDAs and things like that. But suffice it to say, I mean, it, it is a different deal because you guys are partnering up with existing and in a lot of cases, well, I'll say all cases, very beloved events like like Lavaredo and Trans Grand Canaria, which I was at uh, earlier this year and uh, Kodiak Big Bear and things like that. And you're kind of putting your stamp on the trail and ultra running space through these iconic, well-established, beloved types of events. So why don't you take a, take a minute just to describe what this world championship kind of scene looks like from the Spartan perspective. And hopefully we can lead, we can use that conversation to lead to what's going to be in the middle of the sandwich eventually. (laughs) (laughs) hopefully we can figure that out i'll charge you a consultant fee then (laughs) (laughs) um so so first of all joe like joe joe coined the term and uh, maybe it's existed in other places halo halo events with these these races and like i was mentioning you know utmb tour de jantz uh um, a lot of races you know leadville they're they're halo events because they've elevated themselves through a lot of them really for through their legacy of just being there for a long, long time and putting on really great races and building up a reputation. So one of the first um, conversations that I had with him when we started this, um, this whole project was if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, we're going to go for events. uh, We're going to partner with events that are there in that halo status. And we're not going to go in there and try to change the events. We're not going to change the names. Um, We're not going to change the way that they do business um, we're just going to come in and try to to add add to them, add value, and um, and help them um, continue to grow the sport. So, kind of leading with that, that's been the approach with with these events, and um, saying, hey, why is Lavaredo such an appealing event? Because you know it's it's done a lot of work to to build to build um, to get to where it is. But you know, talking to them, like, what do you guys need? What what is it that we can do to help you? Um, become a better race, a bigger race, um, and bigger isn't always better. So that's not always the approach that we're, that we're taking on some of these events. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that, that's the approach. And so what we did is we, um, and I'll probably go as far as just saying, yeah, partnered. I mean, 
in a different way, probably for, for each event, the deal is a little bit different. Um, we did purchase an event called um, La Ruta de Conquistadores in Costa Rica that, you know, it's, it's a mountain bike event. And then we've added a trail um, option to that event, kind of a, similar to Leadville. There's a, the mountain bike is going to be one weekend and then the following weekend is, is the trail race. Um, so that's, that's an event that was a quote unquote halo event with mountain bike that we've added a trail race to, but all of the other races that we've um, partnered with our existing trail races around the world. Um, we wanted to pick for our first world championship, um, series, uh, seven to eight races around the world that were, you know, one to two months apart, put big, big prize money on them, create a point system, um, to encourage people to go to many, you know, to, to more events and then have a, a final a world championship final where all of those points are added up and there's a large prize purse for the event. And then there's a final prize purse as well, um, added to it. And this year, uh, slash next year, cause it doesn't necessarily go within a calendar year. Our, um, our seven events, um, we're going to end with trans Gran Canaria in 2021. And it was going to start with Patagonia run in, um, April. But that's what's going to happen next. Um, I appreciate the fact that, right. that one of the events that you uh, have initially explored is this La Ruta event. Um, you probably are not aware of this, but uh, I've got a longstanding kind of personal and professional history with that race. We, we've been taking groups of athletes out to their mountain bike race um, for, for, for years and uh, know the uh, know the race director there quite well. It is a beautiful area. I don't know if you've had the opportunity to get out on those trails, but it is absolutely stunning down there in Costa Rica. I have. It's yeah, it's incredible, mud, right? Everybody yeah. remembers the mud. <laughs> yeah, lots of mud. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So, what runners are going to be curious about is. What do, what do these races that they've either seen on the web or they've experienced, how are they going to be different now that Spartan is involved? Is this just a branding thing? And, you know, that happens in trail running. One year, Hoka is the sponsor, and the next year, Ultra is the sponsor, and the next year, some other, you know, shoe company is the sponsor, and they swap out the banners at the end, and the branding on all the athlete guides changes and things like that. Is is that what athletes should expect that this is kind of like a branding change or are you getting involved in the races to a deeper extent to improve the experience of the athlete? Um, so I guess a a little bit of both in terms of the, of the experience, we would only get involved where, um, we can improve the experience just with our, you know, logistical, and operational experience, which that we have. So if we can bring something to the table there or improve on it, um, uh, we will, you were at trans Gran Canaria this year. I was, I was there. I, I think I might, um, I, I just missed you, but, um, you know, in terms of the look and feel and all of that, that you saw at trans Gran Canaria, nothing's going to change other than some branding. I mean, there will be, you know, Spartan trail world championship branding there. It's not going to take over all of a sudden the event's not going to be called Spartan trail world championship slash trans Gran canaria it's still the trans Gran canaria but it will be a spartan trail world championship event um i would i would make it i would say it's probably more similar to like ultra trail world tour in some ways like the event doesn't change just because it's part of ultra trail world tour it continues to be the same event um it's just part of it and it gives um, athletes kind of a path to follow 
Um, it has points. It has prize money. I think we're going sort of a little above and beyond um, uh, Ultra Trail World Tour by you know putting in a very significant right. prize purse, and I think hopefully offering that carrot to um, athletes to motivate them to um, to to participate in the full series, not just go to Trans Grand Canaria, but to participate in you know in as many of the series events as they can before Trans Grand Canaria. And another thing that we're doing um, is we're opening up these events to the spartan world you know when we announce the spartan trail world championship there are people within ocr like i mentioned we have ultra endurance um, distance events um, within obstacle course racing and those people are interested they're like oh trans grand canary i've never heard of that before i've done ultra marathons a lot of ocr racers do ultra marathons on their on their off season <laughs> um <laughs> and uh, and they're interested in coming so i think we can bring we'll bring a lot of new people so you might see new faces and some people that are you know new to the sport there but as far as the look and feel and all of that you're not really going to see a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of things different different other than okay. branding so as it exists currently with the exception of laruda which you you know you came out and said that you bought it you spartan owns it a lot of this is co-marketing and co-branding Meaning Spartan comes in, they infuse, you know, some sponsorship, they infuse some money into the prize structure, which elevates the prestige of the, of the races that you got, that you are all in, involved in. And it brings awareness of the Spartan brand to that group of athletes that are participating in the, uh, uh, in the bigger group that is following the race and things like that. And then also from the race director's perspective, they get branding into a new audience as well. This trail running audience, as you mentioned, that does trail running in their off season or ultra running in their off season. <laughs> and, and they might not, and I agree with you, they might not have heard of the Trans Grand Canaria or Kodiak Big Bear or some of these other ultra races. And it's and and so those what I'm trying the picture that I'm trying to paint is is that marketing relationship, although it could be viewed as, you know, the big bad Spartan like coming in and, you know, basically putting their stamp on all these races, it's mutually beneficial both ways. Like it's beneficial to the athletes, it's beneficial to the to the race directors in terms of expanding their audience. Um, and it's obviously beneficial to Spartan or they're not, otherwise you, you know, y'all wouldn't be doing it. I think the fear from, and, and this is, this might be unnecessarily placed from a lot of trail and ultra runners is the, what's going to come next is Spartan going to start owning all of these races and then implementing the OCR piece into trans grand Canaria Kodiak Laruda and things like that, so that all of these races have the same kind of flavor of your existing OCR races that have the trail running piece kind of bolted into that. And that might be too much prognostication for this particular podcast, but if you want to like address any of that, like forecasting concern that a lot of the community has right now, like please, like go go ahead and, and do so. Yeah. So the quick answer to that is is no. Um, you know, starting with Joe's first instruction on this project, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, that's, you know, we, we're looking to get into trail, not to bring OCR to trail. OC, I mean, the, the goal is to diversify. I mean, hence LaRuda, which is a mountain bike event to diversify and to create, um, a larger brand based around sport and lifestyle, not just OCR. And so right now we're working on, weaning spartan from that ocr image you know on the marketing side of things which is a, a very very difficult because it's done well that's why it's difficult because <laughs> you guys have done it so well 
because we've done it really well. So it's like, how do you take that bare chested guy at the finish line, you know, ready to start the or uh, at the start line, um, that image out of people's head? And how do you make them think about when they think about Spartan Trail, they think about somebody running through, you know, in, in on the Trans Grand Canaria course, you know, that's when they think about Spartan, they just think about fitness and lifestyle and health and all of that. But that's, that's where we're going just as a company. Um, and so, yeah, the, the short answer to, to that is, are we going to change these trail events and put in the Spartan flavor? No, you know, will, will there be larger merchandise areas? Will there be more merchandise offerings, um, at Trans Grand Canaria, you know, nicer, higher quality, um, products, those types of things, because Spartan does kind of specialize in, in that as well in, in their events, whether it be a little bit more of a, of a festival here, uh, cohes- cohesive festival feel um, at some of these events. Yeah, probably. Yes. Those types of things will, um, will change, but I, I really think for the better, you know, will we address any operational gaps in, in some of these events or help some of these smaller race directors um, to put on, you know, better events? Yeah, we will. Um, but as far as like, you know, OCR ising or Spartanizing the events, I don't, um, we're definitely not headed down that but, path. But it's reasonable to say if this is a new business unit for you that you're trying to expand, trail running is a new business unit for you, for you to, to try to expand, that a method of expansion, as we've already talked about, is using your own endemic group, using the OCR group, putting trail race in there and, and, and expanding that way. But another piece of expansion, as you've already demonstrated with LaRuta, is scooping up existing races. And that those are races that then Spartan that Spartan owns. And they could there could be mm-hmm. others, whether or not you're currently sponsoring them or not. They're all there. As I mentioned from the onset of the podcast, there's a lot of trail trail races out there. Or starting your own. Like those are the three avenues of expansion into a new marketplace. You either take over what's existing, you either start with your existing user base and you expand within that user group, grow from the core, so to speak. You go out and you scoop up businesses that are currently in existence and have some sort of customer base and operations and you know you just take them over and, and their business becomes your business. Or you just start your own. So within the latter two, what in, in, or do you know what to expect from Spartan for the future? If it's, an, if it's an avenue of business that you're trying to grow, are you going to grow your own events, your own trail running events, and are you going to take over more events that are, uh, that are currently out there? So the third piece to the puzzle, I guess you could say the meat in the sandwich or the, um, the plant-based meat <laughs> in the sandwich um, is, uh, so the first one is the integrated events, yeah. as we talked about what I call regular season, you know, integrated with OCR. Um, then the, you know, the top is, you know, trans Gran Canaria, Lavaredo type of events that we're going to, that we'll be working with. And then the, the third piece is we are working with local race directors, specifically in the U S right now, a couple of projects in Asia to create new events, but we're working with, um, reputable trail race directors in their regions, um, to partner on new events. And so that's that's kind of the approach that we've chosen rather than coming in, planting a flag and saying, get out of the way, little race directors. Um, we're integrating them into the project, kind of like what we've done with Lewis with right. saying, hey, come and direct these races, come and design these courses. And Lewis can tell you um, and I won't you know, I won't speak for him too much, but he, he can tell you that he has gotten more people to his races that recognized him from a Spartan event and signed up for his races. So finding that mutual uh, mutually beneficial way 
to um, to uh, integrate the local race directors is is what we're doing. That's that's the third part of the project. Yeah. I, I appreciate that approach as a consumer because. I mean, as all of us, uh, all of us, both of us here on this podcast and everybody listening is going to be aware there is, although nobody owns trail running, there is an established culture and, you know, you can't, I'm going to use an analogy that Bob Crowley used, who's the president of ITRA. If you want to join a church, the first thing you do is you sit in the back of the church and you sing the hymns and you shake all of the other churchgoers hands. You don't go in through the front of the church trying to preach to the choir and by working with like the local race directors and the established members of, of, of the trail running church, the trail running community who are the local race directors, that's the way to like understand the culture, get in the good graces of people, making sure and making sure that you're building a product and a service that is going to be cohesive with the, 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 the values and uh, the thoughts of the members of the community that are already there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's in that church analogy is interesting. I was talking to Bob a, a couple of weeks ago too. And, um, he used a church analogy and I was like, you know, it's interesting. Uh, my parents have come from a religious background because of my parents, long story, they were missionaries, but so I'm, I'm aware of how all of those things work and trail running in the U S if it is like a church, it's like one's Pentecostal, the other one's Methodist, <laughs> the next one's Catholic. Like your experience will just be all over the place depending on what race you go to. Um, so that's, what's interesting. Whereas I feel like the, the quote unquote church is more in Europe is a little more cohesive. They're more of the same denomination. And in Asia, it's growing more off of that European influence. Um, same as South America. Yeah. And that's why that's, um, it's, it's been interesting to see the reaction from the trail running community because you can kind of divide it up into the trail runners that have that international experience that have either lived abroad or done a lot of trail trail races internationally and the ones that have not because the trail runners that have done the races internationally they understand that there are different denominations of the church the ones that have only done races within the US are only used to the US's denomination and i just think that i, I just think that some perspective kind of gets kind of gets lost whenever whenever change, whenever change happens, if you don't have those different types of experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And in the end, um, change is inevitable. I mean, um, you know, the sport, the sport is growing, whether we like it or not, you know, from that, um, you know, taking myself away from Spartan right now and just saying, Hey, what is my, what was my first trail experience? Um, actually it was the Arkansas traveler, a hundred miler in 2007. Um, so that's, you know, that was my first trail experience. And that was a quote unquote, maybe big ish trail <laughs> race back then. Um, and then Bandera 100K, I did it that that January 2008. And those, you know, those are really cool experiences and all of that. But it trail running isn't what it was back then. It, it is changing whether Spartan jumps in it um, or not. Um, there are companies that started off small that are now getting bigger um, as a result of this growth. And then there are other companies jumping in that are already, already big. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. I appreciate the candor and the transparency that you offered and even some things that, you know, might knock you down in your, in your marketing job over there at Spartan. Um, but, <laughs> but I think tr like trail runners, as you are aware of, we're all really authentic people. And 
authenticity goes a long way in this community. If you operate your business in an authentic manner and you're transparent and open and honest about it, people are very accepting of it. And I, I, it, it would be very easy for, for an organization to come into trail running and plant their flag and put their stamp on everything and just kind of sweep up the entire community because the numbers are not that big. It wouldn't really take that much capital to go in and do it. Now, it probably wouldn't be a very lasting change because the community would eventually reject all of that. But in terms of how feasible it would be from an economic perspective, you look at it and it's really reasonable for a number of, you know, companies to, to kind of do, to kind of go and do that. So I appreciate, you know, all the thought that you, uh, that you just put into this dialogue. And I really do that. Um, I really do hope that trail and ultra runners have an open mind when they see these new things because different isn't always bad. Different can be good as well. Mm -hmm. And, and I guess my last words on, on this would be, uh, you know, there are real people and real trail runners working on this project. And, um, we are working as hard as we can, like I said, to integrate local trail runners, local trail race directors, and to get, um, you know, and to, and to take that feedback and not grow irresponsibly. Big companies struggle to grow responsibly just because they're big lumbering beasts, but we're doing what yeah, we can. 100%, 100% agree with it. All right, we're gonna let you go. Appreciate it. Thanks for all your time. Eventually we'll see- Thanks a lot, yeah, Jason. Eventually we'll see you back out on the trails and I hope to experience one of your events once I can get out there and the races start. <laughs> Yeah, you're always welcome. Whoa, go to Jacksonville. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I can't even make it out of Colorado. What are you kidding me? <laughs> right. And there you have it, folks. Hope everybody listened to this podcast with an open mind and open ears. Really appreciate Josue coming on the podcast today. Um, in an effort of full disclosure, I have nothing for or against Spartan coming into the space. I just want to see a healthy trail and ultra running. They don't sponsor me. They don't pay me to do anything. They don't give me any race entry fees. They don't pay to fly me out to any of their races or anything like that. I have zero conflicts of interest with Spartan. My interest in this is just simply to bring the dialogue out into the public in an honest and authentic fashion and let the trail runners, let the market decide on things. Hope everybody enjoyed it. If you have not had the chance, go on over to iTunes and give this podcast a like or a review that helps the podcast out a lot. Appreciate the heck out of everybody listening today. And as always, eventually at some point, we will see everybody on the trails.